This week, we have a message by Dr. James O'Davis. James is the founder of Cutting Edge International and Global Church Network and is one of our supported ministries. This week, he's going to bring a talk on faith for the end of an age. Let's give a warm welcome to Dr. James O'Davis. Amen. It's a joy to be with you today and be a part of what God is doing in all the world. And I so much appreciate Pastor Tom and his lovely wife got acquainted with him this morning. And God has given you a choice gift. Did you know that? God has given you a choice gift. The Bible says that God gave gifts to the church, apostles and, uh, and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And so God must really love Word of Life because he gave you a choice couple And I'm so thankful for Tom and his lovely wife and family. And I'm here to tell you, God is going to bless Word of Life as you continue to move forward. Amen? Amen. It's such a joy. I got in last evening. Pastor Brother Mike picked me up. And it's always a joy to be at Word of Life. And we're living in amazing times. And I thank the Lord that the Lord would trust us with such a time in which we are living in today. Amen? I want to highlight briefly a few things, and then we're going to jump right in to to the Word of God. I'm going to throw that first slide up. It'd be incredible. Uh, We launched a network uh, 20 years ago this coming January. I'm thankful to tell you today that there's over 2,600 different denominations and 700,000 churches plus that uh, in the the world today, all focused on getting to the finish line, finishing the Great Commission in this uh, generation. Jump to the next slide, if you would. I would encourage you when you get a chance to uh, download the Global Church Network app. And you will have in the palm of your hand where the church is going locally and globally as it uh, progresses into new unreached people groups. I know that you will enjoy uh, the Global Church Network app and both Apple and Android. You won't have any problem in downloading it. Jump to the next slide if you would. And um, in the last uh, three years, this church has been involved in the beautiful nation of Nepal. And Nepal is right between between China and India. There's over a a billion people in India, over a billion people in China. And if you were going to build a network that works, you would have to build it in the beautiful nation of Nepal at some point to tie India and China together. In China, there are over 108 million Christians in China. 45,000 a day are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in China. Amen. In India, there are over 60 million Christians in India, and over 20,000 a day coming to the saving knowledge of Christ in India. And 60 years ago, the gospel came to Nepal, only 60 years ago. And today, there are 1.4 million Christians in Nepal. There are 30 million Nepalese, 1.4 million of them have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And you've been very much involved in the beautiful nation of Nepal. Jump to the next slide, uh, if you would. And uh, this was the first hub we launched there, and you helped us to do that. There are now seven hubs in Nepal, 
And a hub does three things, synergizes best relationships, systematizes the best training, strategizes for unreached people groups. And so we have all of those seven hubs tied together technologically and personally uh, in the uh, beautiful nation of Nepal. There are 117 hubs in the Global Church Network today, and we are strategically uh, deploying new hubs every quarter of each year. Jump the next slide, uh, if you would. And across the Himalaya Mountains, a uh, beautiful mountain stretch of 1,500 miles. Jump to the next slide. You, there are 20,000 villages across this mountain range that starts in the southern part of Bhutan and ends all the way into the edge of Afghanistan. And the Himalaya Mountains is the biggest mountain range in the world. Jump to the next slide, if you would. And uh, now I thank God for the rolling hills of New York. But these are just maybe just a few feet taller than the rolling hills of New York. Uh, the highest peak is Mount Everest, of course, at just over 29,000 feet above sea level. Jump the next slide, if you would. And uh, this, we had a summit there uh, that kicked off the church planting initiative across the Himalayas. We were hoping for about 1,000 church planters, and the Lord helped us. We had just over 1,500 uh, church planters at the summit, and Word of Life helped us to launch that initiative we call Give Me This Mountain uh, Initiative. Jump across the next slide, if you would. And uh, this was uh, this is a church planting couple there. They're planting churches at the 21,000-foot level. Uh, now, when you're above 20,000 feet, you don't have to wonder what the weather is going to be like. Uh, it snows every day at the 20,000-foot level. Uh, in February, we were in partnership with a beautiful, amazing church planter at the 24,000-foot level, and he is planting churches in six villages at the 24,000-foot level. If I was to ask you today how many of us believe that every village ought to have a church in the world, every hand would go up. But what about the 20,000-foot level? What about the 24,000-foot level? It's, uh, it's very difficult. You, you can't take a, a car there or a motorbike there. You have to climb there and live there. And yet we believe that every man, woman, boy, and girl ought to have an adequate witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. And so uh, for my whole Christian life, I've heard about the underground church, but now I want to start hearing about the upper ground church. The churches at the highest elevations of the world. Jump to the next slide, if you would. And uh, this is, uh, now we're into India. Go to the next slide, if you would. We had a summit there. You helped us on that because the Himalayas go all the way through uh, India. And we had amazing response for the Himalayas in the, in the northern part of India. Jump to the next slide. Then we launched a hub in Pakistan, the first of three hubs. We did this during the pandemic. Uh, this is an incredible brother uh, from from the southern part of Pakistan, and go to the next slide. We had a ribbon cutting there for the church planting in Pakistan. There are over 5 million Christians in Pakistan today. 
Don't think for a moment God's not at work everywhere. Amen? Jump the next slide, if you would. And so we're involved in building and constructing, literally, the very first Mount Everest Training Center at, within five miles of the, uh, the base of Mount Everest. It's the gateway into the Himalayas, and it's scheduled to be um, dedicated right after Easter next year for the entire body of Christ in the Himalaya Mountains. And word of life is a part of breaking through one of the hardest areas in the world to help church planters to get to the highest elevations for the cause of Jesus Christ. Jump to the next slide, if you would. And uh, throw up the next slide, if you would. Great. In our missions giving today, I want to encourage you to consider we have a church planting training summit coming up in the fall, and there are going to be hundreds of church planters there in Nepal uh, coming together to continue the equipping for the highest elevations and we're doing a lot of translations in Nepalese, and so your giving is going to help us to continue the initiative. We're expecting well over 250 church planters at this uh, summit this fall, and we've got to get everything done, and every $20 will help us to do that. You've been so faithful as we continue to move forward in this area, and we will give a report back to Pastor Tom. He'll be able to give it back to you because we believe the Lord has called us to be successful and finish the Great Commission. Amen? In a moment, I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, and I'm going to talk to you today about faith for the end of an age, faith for the end of an age, Hebrews chapter 11. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word uh, today? During the, uh, the pandemic, um, I wrote two books. And uh, one that I wrote was entitled uh, The Faith Book, the, key, the Master Key to a Grand Life of Faith. And following our time today, I'll be out in the foyer, and I want to recommend that you get a copy of it. When Paul was, the Apostle Paul was locked up, he wrote letters. I thought, well, we're locked down. I ought to write at least a couple books. And so this book is on Hebrews 11. The entirety of the book is on one chapter in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. To help us to understand what faith is and how to apply faith in our Christian life. And I'm going to teach out of chapter 6 today on the subject of Enoch, faith for the end of an age. And I encourage you for after our time together that you would consider getting a copy of it today. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11, starting in verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up to obtain a witness that before him being taken up that he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and is a warder of those that diligently seek him. Now I'm going over to a little tiny book, the book of Jude, right next to the book of Revelation over in verse number 14. And it says these words, and it was about these men that Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, behold, the Lord comes with many thousands of his holy ones. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live long enough to see the sun come up today. Help us, Lord, not to waste the day that God has given to us, for the day will come 
that we will not have opportunity to work and serve you upon this earth ever again. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint me to speak and everything I'm about to say will be ordered and directed by you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to speak for just a little while this morning on faith for the end of an age. Enoch lived at the end of an age. He lived in a perplexing time. And no doubt every one of us would agree that we have been living in a perplexing time. And you see, my friend, God has called each of us to live a life of faith. Now, faith is not incidental. Faith is fundamental. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not wishing. Faith is not hoping. Faith is getting a word from God and then acting on what God has put in your heart. And my friend, God has called every believer to live a life of faith. Whether we be in this auditorium or whether we be online, online, God has called us to live a life of faith. A wise man once said, when short people cast long shadows, you know the sun is about to set. We are living in the closing moments of a generation. We're living in the closing moments of time. And my friend, God means business with those who mean business with him. It is not time to play, church. It is time to live out our Christian life every day for the glory of the Lord. Amen? And God is looking for people in this generation who want to live a life of faith. And I hope that what God's been putting in my heart during this time, he will deposit in our hearts today. And everything I want to talk about briefly is about this unique man called Enoch because the Bible says that Enoch was an amazing person in an amazing generation. First of all, our faith prepares us for surrounding gloom, for surrounding gloom. You know, Enoch lived in a time when the flood would come. Enoch lived in a time when God would bring the Tower of Babel down. This was a time that Enoch lived. Enoch lived in a time of uh, extreme permissiveness. It's when people had gone wild. They had lost their moral compass. They weren't interested in pleasing God. They weren't interested in walking with God. And ladies and gentlemen, we live in an age of permissiveness. When sins that used to sling down back alleys now parade themselves down Main Street, USA. The sins that used to embarrass us now entertain us. The sins that used to amaze us now amuse us. The sins that used to make us weep now make us laugh. We have forgotten how to blush. The Bible says that Enoch lived in a time when God said, 
I wish I hadn't created mankind. He looked at the wickedness and the evilness and the perversion on the earth, and it so grieved the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, what breaks God's heart ought to break our heart. And we ought to have a holy reverential fear of God, but we also ought to recognize that God balances the books. We live in an age of permissiveness, and so did Enoch. Enoch lived in an age of presumptuousness. He lived in the age of the Tower of Babel. What did mankind say? Men and women said, let's build a tower to touch the throne of God. What did God say? God said when they come together that they can do just about anything. And so they believed they didn't need God. They didn't believe they needed God in their life, needed the Lord in their culture, needed faith in their heart. They thought they could do it all by themselves. And we live in a time when people do not believe they need the Lord in their life, in their culture, in their home, in their heart. We've expelled him from our public schools. We have lampooned him and laughed at him. And we tip our hat, but we don't bow our knee. We think we can do it all by ourselves. And I'm here to tell you, if there's going to be peace in the earth, it's going to be because the Prince of Peace is ruling the earth. And if there's going to be balance in your life or in mine, it's because Jesus Christ is in the center of our life. We're living in an age of progressiveness, an age of progressiveness. Now, we talk today about the term progressiveness. It's really digressiveness. You understand that, right? When they use the term progressiveness, it's not progressiveness. It's really digressiveness. You know, let me tell you how you can know when the devil is lying. Every time the devil opens up his mouth, he's lying. What is worse, a clock that is five minutes off or a clock that is five hours off? The clock that is five hours off, you know that clock is off. The clock that's five minutes off can deceive you and cause you to miss your plane out the Syracuse International Airport. Satan is not the clock that's five hours off. He is the clock that is five minutes off. That's who he is. He is the master deceiver. In the time of Enoch, there was major expansion, population being one of those great expansions. We're living in a time of, of huge expansion. The pandemic, for example, sped up technology. Uh, we were already headed to where we are technologically today, but we got there nearly 10 years sooner because of the pandemic. The, the pandemic sped so many things up in the world. Think about this, um, this uh, smartphone that all of us have in this room. 20 years ago, less than 300 million people had a cell phone, not a smartphone, a cell phone. Today, over five and a half billion people have one of these. This computer you and I walk around with all the time has transformed our world. We're living in an age of rapid expansion. Things were rapidly changing in the time of Enoch upon the earth. 
earth, and it's so rapidly changing as well. And while all that was going on, they were headed to the flood. And my friend, I want you to know, when you look at things all that's going on around this world, you know, my friend, that judgment is coming sooner or later. We're living in a time of surrounding gloom. Not only surrounding gloom, but our faith helps us with our saving grace. Saving grace. The Bible says that when Enoch was 65 years old, the Bible says that Enoch began to walk with God. We don't know what kind of life that he was living before he got to 65, but when he was 65 years old, the Bible says that Enoch began to walk with God. And it was in the same year that his son Methuselah was born. The Bible says Methuselah was born, and the Bible says in Genesis that Enoch began to walk with God. Do you know what you and I need to be doing in this generation? We need to be walking with God. Every day we get up, we need to have a close relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't give the Lord the leftovers of your day. Give him the first moments of your day. Don't give him what's a little bit left after you're worn out. Start out fresh and new with a walk relationship each and every morning. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. That was his testimony. When people went by his home, they said, there's a guy who walks with God. When people drive by your home, do they say, that's a family that walks with God? I submit to you that what this generation needs around the world are people who are raised up that are able to say, my testimony is, I walk with God. I walk with God. And the Bible says that Methuselah was born and Enoch walked with God. Have you ever asked yourself what the name Methuselah means? Methuselah means when I'm dead, it will be sent. How would you like to have that name? When I'm dead, it will be sent. You ever ask yourself the question, why did Methuselah live so long? Methuselah lived longer than anybody else. He lived 969 years. When I am dead, the flood will come. The same year that Methuselah died the flood came. Do you know why Methuselah lived so long? Because God didn't want to send the flood. Do you know why God's patience is so critical? It's because God doesn't want to judge the earth. He's given us time to touch this planet with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He's giving us time to tell every man, woman, boy, and girl how to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But there will come a time when the last invitation is given, when the last sermon is preached, when the last worship service has occurred. This is our moment of saving grace. We're to bring this world wrapped in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ 
Christ and tell this world that Jesus Christ died for every person on planet earth. Amen. It is saving grace. It is surrounding gloom, but also it, our faith helps us to perceive a simple gospel. You know, Enoch had a simple gospel. You know, he, he, it's amazing the life that he lived. Now, when Enoch was born, don't miss this now. When Enoch was born, he was the seventh generation from Adam. When Enoch was born, everybody on the earth either knew Adam or knew somebody who knew Adam. When Enoch lived on the earth, everybody knew where the Garden of Eden was. They hadn't experienced the flood yet. Everybody knew about Adam or knew somebody who knew Adam. What was Adam's testimony? Adam's testimony was there was a time that he did walk with God. He walked with God in the cool of the day. He walked with God. I was recently interviewed in a particular podcast, and the lady at the end said, I have one final question for you. I said, okay. She said, um, after you meet Jesus Christ, which biblical character would you like to meet after you meet Jesus? I said, that's easy. She said, what's the answer? I said, my answer is Adam. She said, you want to meet Adam after you meet Jesus? I said, yes, because I have one question I would like to ask Adam. She said, what was the question? Here's the question. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it the same way that you did it the first time? You know, when you look at the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11, Adam doesn't make the list. Adam and Eve were in heaven, but they didn't make the list of the Hall of Fame of Faith. But Enoch made the list, and Abel made the list, but Adam didn't make the list. I imagine one day Enoch getting up and saying, you know what, I want to walk with God and I don't want to mess up, and so therefore I'm going to go see Adam. I see him as he goes to Adam's house, and he's, Adam says, why did you come, Enoch? Well, I know there was a time that you used to walk with God. He said, oh, yes, it was amazing. Uh, me and God would meet every evening as the sun was setting across Eden, and we would walk together in the cool of the day. And I see Adam as he looks at Enoch, and he says, whatever you do, don't stop showing up to meet with God and to walk with God. Don't allow the enemy to tempt you and get off on the wrong road. If I had to do it all over again, Enoch, I would do it so different. There was the force of his faith, of Enoch's faith, and it was that everybody knew that he pleased the Lord. When people think about your life, do they think first and foremost that your goal in life is to please the Lord, or do they think of other things first? There was the fundamentals of his faith, and it was this. It's impossible to please God without faith. You know, I used to think that I could make everybody happy, but I don't think that way anymore. There's some people you can't make happy. They manufacture their misery, and they have a copyright to go with it. They just love being miserable. You ever seen somebody come into the room, and the room did get darker when they showed up? And you ever seen that the room did get brighter when they left? Have you ever seen somebody walking toward you and you started praying, Jesus, would you please come right now? 
or when they stayed too long, you thought maybe you are in the middle of the tribulation. You would wish they would go. You know, Enoch was this kind of refreshing brother. He, 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 when you were with him, you knew that he pleased the Lord. And he had favor from Almighty God. And that's what every one of us need to have in our hearts, in our homes, and place of employment. He, he had a simple gospel. He knew that he, to please God, he had to have faith in his heart that caused the Lord to look upon him, and he was pleased when he looked upon him. It's so important for us to understand the surrounding gloom and the saving grace and the simple gospel, but quickly and last, our faith plans for sudden glory. The Bible says they came looking for him, and they couldn't find him. The Bible says one day God and Enoch went on a walk, and Enoch didn't come back. I imagine it this way. God said, you know, we've walked further today than we've ever walked before. In fact, we are closer to, to, to my house now than your house. Why don't you just come on home with me? And Enoch wasn't found. He was 365 years old. For 300 years, he had walked with God. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in a time when Jesus Christ could come back today. Did you get up today with the anticipation that Jesus Christ could come and take us away today? I did. I believe soon and very soon the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. There are over 2 billion Christians upon this earth. There are more Christians upon this earth than there's ever been in the history of the world. And I want you to know that when Jesus Christ comes back, they will come, the world will come looking for us, but we will not be found. Can you imagine that day when Christ comes back? One in the flight deck on the plane taken and the other left. Two flight attendants in the aisles taken and two left. Can you make imagine the guy driving the train or the lady driving the speed train, one taken, one left? Can you imagine the, the rhetoric, the news, the social media story when all of the Christians in the world are missing? And that's when the diabolical lie will be told. And people will believe a lie if you just tell it long enough and when the roll is called up yonder in heaven there are going to be billions in heaven he said no james the bible says narrow is the way there won't be a hand but a handful of people oh no there are going to be billions in heaven there's two billion plus christians in the world today if christ comes that means that's two billion so you already have pl billions plural right there and what about the more than a billion babies that have been aborted in the last 30 years where did they go well they all went to heaven now we're up to 3 billion. What about the people in the Old Testament period of time who by faith believed and they were justified? Well, they all went to heaven. What about the last 2,000 years of those who died in faith? They all went to heaven. I don't know how many there are going to be. I just know this, that when the roll is called, there will be billions of people in heaven forever and forever and forever. <laughs> 
and Jesus Christ could come back today. You see, Enoch is the first one who ever prophesied the coming of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Jude that Enoch picked up his telescope of time and he looked across 6,000 years and he saw the Messiah coming with his holy ones. In fact, Jude says it in a way, as a way of a past tense. He says, I looked and saw him come. In other words, he saw it in his final motion. Soon and very soon, the king of glory is going to return and the graves will open up their dead and the oceans will give up their dead and those who are alive in a moment in a twinkling of an eye are going to leave this world and we're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, and whatever we're going to do, we need to get doing. And whatever we're going to be, we need to start being. If there's some people that you know that are not ready, you need to build a bridge to their heart and lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we're going to be a prayer warrior, we better start praying. If we're going to write a book, you better start writing. Whatever it is, because Christ is coming again. We're living in a time of sudden glory. We're living in a time when they will come looking for us and they will not find us. We're living in a time when this world is ripe for judgment, but it's also ripe for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you are on this journey, but I do know this. People have this idea. They think it's really hard to go to heaven and it's really easy to go to hell. I actually think it's the other way around. I think it's easy to go to heaven and I think it's hard to go to hell. You have to ignore your common sense. You have to harden your heart to the gospel. You have to say no to the Holy Spirit. You have to reject Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The same sun that melts wax will harden cement. The same gospel that saves one will harden another based upon what's inside his or her heart. But if a man or woman hardens their heart hard enough and long enough, they can climb up over all of that. They'll spend eternity separated from God. But it's really easy to go to heaven. Accept Christ in your heart and in your life. Whatever we're going to be, Whatever we're going to do, we need to get started right now. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this service today. I count it a privilege to stand here and preach where Pastor Tom so faithfully preaches week after week after week. And I don't know where you are on this journey today that I briefly highlighted in the moments we had together. But I do know this, I've lived long enough now to know that the sun is setting across this generation. And we need faith for the closing moments of this generation. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here in this sacred moment today, if you're here today and you're not sure that you're ready for the coming of the Lord, if he was to come today while you're driving your car home, you're not sure that you're ready, I wouldn't get in that car until I know I'm ready.
If you're here today, whether you be online or on in the sanctuary, and you're wondering whether or not I'm, I'm ready for the coming of the Lord, the Lord doesn't want us to guess at it. He wants us to know with confidence. The Bible says the names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name is there. July 15, 1973, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. The Lord wrote my name down that day. Is your name there? Is your name written down? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? I will not embarrass anyone here today. And, but if you're here today and you say, James, I'm just not sure that I'm ready. I'm just not sure that I'm ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I, I really want to settle it. I really want to settle that I know that I know that I'm ready for the coming of the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you're online, you'll have an opportunity to respond as well today. But you hear today you say, James, that's me. I, 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 I want to make sure that my, my life is ready. I, want, I, I just want to settle it today that my name is written in God's book. And would you just please remember me in prayer today as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this sacred gathering. If that's you, can you just lift your hand high and step it right back down in this service. I'm just looking across this beautiful sanctuary just for a moment. Thank you, sir. So someone else, thank you for your honesty. Just so thank you, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your transparency. After you lift your hand, you slip it right back down. Thank you, ma'am. To someone else. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. I promise you I will not embarrass you in any way. But you're here today. You say, James, that's me. I, I want to settle it right now. I want to know that I'm ready. Whenever Christ comes, I want to know that I'm ready. I want to settle it right now. I want to know all my sins are forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is someone else. Just lift your hand high. Let's slip it right back down in this sanctuary today. Just lift your hand high. Thank you. And for those online, you know who you are. God's quickening your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a simple prayer in just a moment as our heads are bowed. And while I'm praying, I'm going to be praying for those who just lifted their hands. And, and, and while you're standing there, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer of faith, just acknowledging Christ who he is and accepting Christ into your heart. And you will sense the mighty work of God. Dearly Father, I pray for these men and women who just lifted their hands and for those who are online. I pray, oh God, that you would do a sovereign work in their heart and life. And Lord, I pray that uh, these individuals will just simply open up their heart by childlike faith. And Lord, I pray that you would come into their heart and that you would forgive them of all their sin and give them such a peace that they know that they know that they know that they're ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would seal this heart Heart, their heart, this message in their heart right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. As their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed for just a moment, now I want to speak to the believers in this building and those online. I don't know when Christ is going to come, and neither do you. But until he comes, we need to be actively doing our very best to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many as possible. You heard today say, James, Christ is in my heart, and I am ready for the coming of the Lord. But I desire for the Lord to give me open doors that I may see men and women come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you can say with integrity today, Lord, use me to see men and women come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If that's you, can I see your hand, please, in this sacred gathering? Of course, hands are being lifted all across this beautiful auditorium. Lord, I I just ask you to use my brothers and my sisters in a mighty way for the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that men and women will come to know you as their personal Savior. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.